Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Mexico has joined the investigation into the deaths of at least 51 suspected illegal immigrants found in Texas. They were stuck inside a tractor trailer in sweltering conditions. A city worker heard a cry for help from the truck that was parked on a San Antonio back road late Monday afternoon. Police discovered the gruesome scene inside of the trailer. The Mexican president addressed the tragedy at his daily briefing. It happens because there is also human trafficking and lack of control at the border between Mexico and the United States and inside the United States. His comments echo what Texas Governor Greg Abbott said. Abbott criticized President Biden's policies, tweeting, these deaths are on Biden and they're a result of his deadly open border policies. Thousands of people have lost their lives attempting to cross the U.S.-Mexico border in recent decades. Next, to assess the ongoing border crisis, we have Richard Mack, a former county sheriff from the state of Arizona. Sheriff Richard Mack, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm really grateful to be a part of your show today. Sheriff, at least 50 people uh, died in that sweltering hot tractor trailer. I believe the number might be up to 51 at this point, uh, entering the country illegally. Uh, Do you think this will be enough to drive change in policy um, when it comes to the southern border? No, I really don't think anybody in the White House or or, uh, Congress really uh, is too concerned about this. There have been people dying at the border for a long time, uh, and the mules uh, have been... Uh, manipulated by the cartels uh, to the extent that uh, uh, many, many hundreds have died at the border. Uh, as long as, as, as long as the coyotes get their money, and as long as these cartels get their money, that's all they care about. And uh, as as long as the Democrats are getting more voters coming into the country, that's all they care about. Uh, obviously, Biden has not cared about the border problem. Uh, since way before he was in office, uh, he was vice president while the border uh, was open to uh, all of Latin America and other countries as well. We know that uh, people from a hundred different, 150 different countries have entered through the southern border. Many of them from uh, Middle Eastern countries who are enemies. Uh, that's all been documented, and at least uh, 50,000 uh, terrorist. Members of terrorist groups uh, from the Middle East have uh, infiltrated America uh, from uh, during the past 20 years. Another thing that President Biden just said recently regarding this uh, this tragedy that took place down there, he said that uh, political grandstanding around a tragedy like this is shameful. Uh, What is your reaction to those comments? Well, I don't know who he's talking about necessarily, but he's right. I don't want to political grandstand about any of this. I want the problem solved, and he's the one that's supposed to be solving it. So is he the? One, what is he doing? Uh, I would love to see him grandstand something, whether it's political or just moral uh, or responsibility, that we take care of something going on at the border. You cannot ask uh, Latin Americans from any of the countries south of the border to not come into our country and then offer them free housing, free education, 
jobs and uh, not have to pay taxes and allow them to vote and give them social, social security. Uh, that says, come here all you want. And of course, they're going to try to come. We've got to stop the entitlements to illegal immigrants. We've got to stop the freebies to uh, illegal immigrants. Or of course, they're going to uh, do anything they can uh, to come here. And I don't blame them. But that's another thing. Sheriff, another crisis that we have related to the southern border is an opioid crisis. Uh, Americans are dropping dead literally uh, across the country because of this poison. And, um, you know, when it comes to the uh, border wall, there's some people that say that the wall was a political statement rather than a practical tool in protecting the border and the flow of drugs and people and whatnot. What can you say to that as a, a former sheriff in the border state of Arizona? I agree with you totally about the opioid crisis and and all of these opioid drugs have been approved by the FDA that is overseen uh, by our United States Congress. If they really wanted to do something about it, tell them to stop taking the money from Big Pharma that's supporting this uh, and tell the uh, corrupt politicians in Washington, D.C. to stop taking this money and stop adhering to whoever gives them money. That's who we defend with our legislation at the federal level. Uh, This is such a corrupt system. Uh, And and right now, uh, the opioid crisis uh, is taking the back seat. Uh, to all these other crises that have been caused by uh, the Biden administration. And 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 what what does Congress do? Hold the third impeachment on Donald Trump. Uh, this is so exasperating and, and so shameful uh, of where we spend our time and money in Washington, D.C., uh, instead of really trying to solve problems that they have created. Uh, and so... Um, the, the drug proliferation at the border uh, is astonishing. Uh, this lies at the, uh, the, the foot of uh, the United States Congress and of the White House. Uh, they are all culpable in every bit of this. And uh, yes, I have been preaching uh, against uh, doctors uh, being drug dealers, giving out these opioids to everybody in the country. And uh, this is a, a drug-addicted nation. Sheriff, I yeah. see your uh, <clears throat> cap there, uh, CSPOA. Uh, tell us, where can uh, people learn more about your work? Well, the CSPOA, both my shirt and my hat, uh, we believe is the only peaceful and effective solution to what's going on. Uh, the border sheriffs are going to have to uh, work with their governors in securing the border, uh, the federal government notwithstanding. Uh, everybody can become a member of our CSPOA posse. Sheriff Richard Mack, thank you so much. Lawmakers on both sides come together today to call for religious freedom around the globe. What challenges is the world facing and what is being done to address these very challenges? Key voices in Washington and around the globe are speaking out on the right to believe. The United States has a deep and abiding commitment to protecting and promoting religious freedom for all people everywhere. The International Religious Freedom Summit in D.C. this week also brings together lawmakers from across the political spectrum, from Speaker Nancy Pelosi is a foundational human right. to Republican Senator Marco Rubio. 
The United States has a critical role to play in shining a light on religious freedom violations worldwide, and we're working to make that happen. And among those countries violating religious rights, China was called out the most. Citing the Bipartisan Forced Labor Prevention Act that just took effect last week, Senator Rubio says the U.S. cannot continue turning a blind eye to abuses by the communist regime. This new law will change that, helping to ensure that Americans are no longer complicit in the Chinese Communist Party's genocide of predominantly Muslim ethnic groups in Xinjiang. And former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo urges world leaders to see through the propaganda and recognize the abuses happening in totalitarian states. Behind walls of prisons and persecuted before our very eyes in places like China, Iran, Cuba and North Korea are tens of thousands of people whose only crime is to worship God in their own way. Others shed light on what's happening behind those prison bars. Think of forced organ harvesting the Falun Gong practitioners and others. And David Alton, a member of the UK Parliament, calls out China for forcibly harvesting organs from prisoners of conscience. The London-based China Tribunal unanimously concluded in 2019 that this practice has been and is still happening in China on a significant scale. But China also on the United Nations Human Rights Council. It's a sick joke. This is truly extraordinary that we have allowed these things to occur. On Thursday, this summit will feature sessions specifically focused on China's forced organ harvesting and its persecution of the Falun Gong spiritual group. Survivors and families of the persecuted will be sharing their stories. Iris Tao, NTD News. I had a moment to sit down with NBA free agent Ennis Cantor Freedom at today's summit. Freedom shared about his personal journey about defending human rights and how it cost him his career. Ennis Cantor Freedom, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, I appreciate that. Ennis, since uh, leaving the NBA, you've ventured into the realm of human rights. Um, tell us what's motivated you and what your experience has been like uh, in this journey. You know, to be honest, the last seven, eight months has been very lonely. Unfortunately, when you talk about some of the uh, uncomfortable situation that happened in our world, and when the organization that you play for uh, is cannot take the cannot take the exposure of the hypocrisy. So that's why it's been very lonely and tough, to be honest. But now, whenever I go to these kind of events, whenever I go around and see some activists, and whenever I go around and see journalists that who has been persecuted by their government, and it gives me so much hope to stand with them. And I'm like, well, maybe I lost my job. But now I have a new family. Now I work with all the you know, activists around the world and see how I can help them and what I, what I can learn from them. So it's been an amazing experience. So why are you at the International Religious Freedom Summit? You know, growing up, I had a very tough childhood. I remember, you know, I was eight, nine years old and Turkey was going through a very rough time politically. And I remember one day, I, was, I went downstairs to play with my friends and the, the things that I experienced just shocked me. I remember my friends were burning American flags, Israeli flags. They were telling me to hate Christians and, and Jewish people and they were telling me they're the, you know, the most evil person. And I was like so shocked and scared. I immediately ran upstairs to my mom and I was like, mom, you know, my 
my friends were telling me to hate America, hate Israel, hate Christians, hate Jewish people. What should I do? And my mom is like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but do not hate anyone before you meet them. And I remember first time landing in America when I was 17 years old. I was super nervous and super scared. And but the thing that I have experienced here opened my eyes. You know, people took me to mosques. People took me to um, to eat some halal food. They were. I was feeling so comfortable to tell them about my culture and religion. And I was like, everyone in the world should experience this. Um, so I'm here, first of all, to learn, not to talk, to learn, and educate myself, uh, educate myself about what's going on around the world. So, and uh, so I can be helpful to them. Obviously, the platform that given me by God is has enormous reach. So that's what I do, whatever I can to just. Uh, bring awareness about what's going on around the world. You're meeting lots of people on your journey right now, politicians, well-known people. Um, are they feeling the weight and urgency of the message that you carry? So the first message that I always give them is stop condemning. I don't need your condemning. I don't, I don't want you to feel bad. Take some actions. Whenever I sit down with the, some of the politicians or some of the world leaders, actually, some of the, you know, the presidents or vice presidents of the European Parliament, the, the first thing I say, I was like, enough with the condemning. Condemning is not going to take us anywhere. Stop with the diplomatic boycott because that doesn't, it shows something. There is a problem, but you are not doing anything. You're not taking any kind of actions. What can we do to help those people? We need to take some concrete action. So whenever I sit down with these world leaders, politicians, or whoever they are, I'm like, okay, what can we do for them? So that's why we put this some kind of like legislation out there. We, cut, we, put, we actually take some kind of actions to help those people because I was very disappointed to the, all the countries out there in the world because last year there was Beijing Olympics and all the countries said we are diplomatically boycotting the Olympics. That is going to show something, but that is not enough. You know, I, we need to do something and it starts it did start with the athletes, but unfortunately, not any of them could really say anything. I was praying, I'm like, God, please send me one athlete to just talk right before this Olympics because it was the perfect moment, but unfortunately, none of them could say anything. But, you know, it's enough condemning. I feel like it's time to start taking some actions. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.